but on this weekend, we honor those who gave their lives, who paid the ultimate price, that we have freedom. We, we should never, I want our young people to hear me and everybody to hear me, never take for granted the freedoms we have in this nation, the price that was paid. Uh, never take that for granted. Never let those things separate us, that this is a nation where red and yellow, black and white have shed their blood for our freedoms, where men of all races and, and most of them young men have died for freedom, freedom to worship, freedom to be in this room today, freedom to disagree, freedom to, to not like this country. Uh, I don't understand that, but they've got the freedom to do that. But I want us to honor those who paid the ultimate price today. We stand in their honor. We thank God for them today. And I want to pray for families now who, whose loved ones paid that price. And on this day, they have some, some things they do with. Can we pray for them? Father, we thank you today that this is a nation uh, founded uh, on men and women of great courage who are willing to pay the ultimate price that we could be here today and enjoy such amazing freedom and blessing in this nation that is a nation of hope for the world. Father, I pray for the families whose loved ones gave their lives, young men or women who died serving this country, defending freedom. Lord, their death was not in vain. Their death was not wasted. We thank you for them. We stand with their families. We are here, and this nation and this world is better because of them. And so today, we honor them. We're thankful today. We, we do thank you that men and women like these walked among us and, and touched us and were better because of them. Now, we pray grace and peace and strength for their families today. Let them know the honor and respect that we give their loved one. Let them know the incredible investment is living on through our gratitude and through our commitments to freedom and democracy and, and the freedom. Proclaim your incredible word here and around the world. We love you. We thank you. We bless these families in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and verse number 14. Hebrews 4, 14. I, um, you know, I, I never cease to be amazed at, at God's timing, wisdom, direction, how God will uh, prepare us sometimes ahead of time for, for what we're going to walk through with his word and how he takes us. And during this week, as I already had, you know, I'm preaching this uh, altered uh, series lately, the altered priesthood, and 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 then getting ready, had a message for this week I've worked on for quite a while, and since the direction of the Holy Spirit uh, to change. So we're gonna I'm, it's, we're gonna talk about the priesthood. We're gonna talk about drawing close to God, but a different message. Evidently, I need this message. You need this message. Aren't you thankful? When the Holy Spirit says this is what the church needs to hear today. Amen. And so we just we go with that. Now I've got this uh, amplified translation. I've asked the guys. To put up for us today, and I want I want you to to, to read along with me. Uh, you know, the Amplified translation uh, is expanded, and 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 so what it does, you get some different meanings and inflections uh, of the original language. Of course, for the New Testament, that's Greek, 
so I want you to read through here uh, a little bit of the old English, like you had to get in the King James, but I love the way this is fleshed out. So let, if, if you don't have the Amplified Translation, let's follow along. I want you to follow along as I read it. So this is Hebrews 4.14, the first verse. We're going to go through verse 16. And as much then as we, believers, have a great high priest, who is that? Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross. Remember I said he was a sacrifice for his own priesthood. So he died on the cross and shed his blood. Why? So that our sins could be forgiven. And now in the New Testament, he doesn't go back and, and, and offer a sacrifice every day. Once and for all, the cross was enough. How many can say amen to that? But he's our high priest. Hebrews 7 says he's in heaven interceding before God for us. So what an amazing privilege we have. So watch this. So as inasmuch then as we as believers have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, what does that do to us? Let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in Him as Savior. I believe every once in a while when you're walking through a situation, God reminds you this is what you need to do. Think about what Jesus has done for you. Amen? Anybody thankful for what the Lord has done in your life? And then, then you make a decision. What are we going to do? We're going to hold fast our confession. That's not only our words, but it's also our lifestyle, what we do, how we think. So let me challenge you today with your confession. When, when, when you're walking through a hard time, how do you talk? What do you say? Do you say what God says or do you say what your feelings say? How many are with me right now? You know, you can, you can always say what God says, and that's genuine. That's not, that's not counterfeit. That's not disingenuous. When you choose in a hard time to say what God says instead of what you want to say, you're holding fast your confession. How many can say amen to that? How do I know what God says? It's whatever the Word says. That's what we're going to say, all right? So here's what he says. Let us hold fast our confession of what? Of faith and cling tenaciously. Don't you love that? If you were drowning and somebody threw you a rope, what would you do to it? Cling tenaciously. What if, you were, what if the current was pushing against you? You ever seen those rescues when somebody's fallen in a river and the water's roaring against them and they're about to drown and, you know, a helicopter flies in and they drop a rope and that person's holding and the water's pushing against them? Would it be easier to let go or hold on? It, no, no. Would it be easier to let go or hold on? It'd be easier to let go because everything's pushing against you. But if you want to live, what do you do? Cling tenaciously. There are going to be times, hear me, church family, where you're going to have to make a decision. It's not going to be the easy thing. The easy thing is going to be spout out a bunch of death. The easy thing is to spout out a bunch of doubt. The easy thing is let your emotions take over. But if you want to live at the end of the day, you better grab a rope Hold on tenaciously, refuse to let go, and what cling absolute, cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in Him as Savior. Now let's keep reading. Look at the next verse, 15. For we do not, this is amazing to me. Only the Christian faith has this because only Jesus was God who put flesh on and walked in our place. So watch this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses. Did you get that? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses. Do you know when you're walking through that hard time and it would be easier to let go of that rope instead of hold on to that rope, he knows why you're feeling that way. 
He understands that. Isn't that amazing? He understands that. And understand our weaknesses and temptations. But one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human. Why? Because he was born of a virgin, walked in our flesh for 33 years, humbled in every way that we are. We have a high priest, a savior, one representing us before God, who is able to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and our temptations. Don't raise your hand. Have you ever said in that low, low moment, you know, when you threw that pity party and invited the Blues Brothers over? Everybody know what that was like? Come on, we've all done that, haven't we? All right. And, and said, no one knows what I'm going through. Come on, don't look at me that way. You ever had that day? No one understands what this is like. No one's ever had to face what I'm facing. Well, one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human, in every respect as we are yet without committing any sin. Now, leave it there for a minute. Here's the thing that's amazing, and I want you to see how this builds. I am thankful that we have a Savior who loved us enough to lay down the glory of heaven and all of his privileges of heaven, live in our flesh, face what we face, walk in our shoes, and yet he never gave in. It's one thing for some. All I can do for you is sympathize with you when you have a hard time. And aren't you thankful for sympathy and empathy? Isn't that nice? In other words, I can say, man, I know exactly what that's like. I know what you're feeling. I can relate to that. But I can't tell you I'm perfect. But he can. He not only knows what you feel like. Listen, this is the good news. He's been there and he knows how to overcome it. See, what we do today... And, and don't get mad at me. Okay, stay with me. For I probably shouldn't do this this early in the message, but j- just, just be patient with it. Here's what we want to do. We want to get people around us who have the same uh, weakness and temptation and problem, and we want to all get together, and our way of feeling good is just knowing we all got the same problem together. Nobody's got any answers, but we just all have the same problem. Come on, don't look at me funny. We just want to all get together. In fact, we love to get people who've made the same mistakes that we've made and, and get a group together. Come on. And so we can say, you know what I know it's like, man? Yeah, me too. You know, I blew it. Me too. I don't know how to get out of this. Me neither. You know, but at least we're all in this together. We're all going to hell in a handbasket together. Come on, don't throw Bibles at me right now. Stay with me. So, so that's our thing. That's all man can do. Yeah, man, I know what that's like. I feel what you feel. I know it. I feel you, man. I've got to. I know, I know it. I'm there. Yeah, really. What, what are we going to do? I don't know. We're going to do it together. But Jesus walked in our shoes. What love for us. Faced what we faced. Felt the temptation. Had the opportunity to sin. Could have blown it. That makes some people nervous to say that about Jesus. He felt the temptation. He was tempted. Do you understand that? He was tempted in every aspect. Tempted, but he never gave in to that temptation. I want to know the guy who was tempted but didn't give in. I want to follow the one who could have blown it, but he didn't blow it. I want to follow the guy who said, I could have done that, but I didn't. Let me show you how. See, I don't want somebody to just understand me that I keep blowing it the same way. I want somebody to say, I was there, and this is how I got out of it, and I can do the same thing for you. Does anybody want that kind of Savior? See, if you want to, see, Christianity is not the thing that makes us feel good failing. It's the one that pulls us out of our failure. 
See, Christianity just isn't an excuse to be the same old person, but we go to church on Sunday and get a sin charge account. That's not grace. How many, everybody's still with me today? Are you with me? Hey, see, being a Christian just doesn't mean, man, I don't have my wallet. I don't bring it out. I was going to get a credit card out. You know, some people think church is where you come fill your sin debit card up every week. Huh? You know, you, you just put some more on the account. Well, you know, we all sin in every way, every week. You know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, you could become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. It means that he forgives you along the way. But come on, man. Let's, let's, he's the guy who defeated this stuff. Now, I'm going to help you, though, okay? This, isn't, this, this is a mercy Sunday. How many heard what I'm saying? I want to help you because I felt in my spirit, God said, there's some folks who really love me, but they're struggling. And they need to understand how to find some help. So look at him. Here's our Savior. Here's the one helping us. He is not a high priest who's unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and our temptations. He gets it. He understands. All right? But he's also been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are yet without committing any sin. Let's go to the next verse. Watch this. Therefore, therefore, okay, because of that, what do we do? Let us, look at that word, with privilege. So what do we do? With privilege, approach the throne of what? Not judgment, not, not uh, severity, but grace. So what do I do? Knowing all that, I go to the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with what? Confident. Not my head down. Not, I know you don't want to see me today. Not, you know, all that we do. With confidence, an amazing thing. And without what? Fear. So what? That we may receive mercy for our failures. Huh? And find his amazing grace to help in time of need. Look at this. An appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. Do you know what the Bible says? You can leave that up for a minute. The Bible says... That when we come, let, we've been talking about the altar. The altar's our door to the throne of God, to his mercy. When we come to God, the Bible says we are coming because we're in a time of need. And it's amazing to me that, that we've so mistaught and misunderstood God and his nature and what the cross is about is that when we need to come the most desperately, we often run from God instead of run to God. And what I want you to see about this, this throne of grace, this high priest that knows what you're going through, that walked through it and understands it, never gave in to it. That's what makes him God and you and I human. That's what makes him our Savior. The fact that he knows, the fact that he's been there, the fact he understands the temptation, but the fact he has an answer for that. And yet there's mercy for us. You remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about what do we put on the altar? The altar is supposed to be something where we put something of value. Remember that? It's where we put something of value. We don't just throw God our scraps. We don't just throw God what we don't want. We don't give God what doesn't matter. That's not a sacrifice. That's the, remember I said the altar is not a trash can. God's not the, the garbage truck driver. We don't say, well, God, I don't want this. I don't care about that. That's nothing. You know, da, 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 da. No. We, what do we put? That's value. But can I tell you what may be one of the highest values we haven't thought about it? 
is that God wants you to come to him through his throne, not just in times of blessing, not just when things are going good, but God wants to see you when you're needy, when you least feel qualified to come. Everybody with me? When you don't think you've earned it because you never have on your best day. Because he did that on the cross. And God wants you to come to him and he wants you to come in your need. When you're needy, when you're weak, when you're not feeling your best, when, when, when you don't think you're done your best, when your performance hasn't been what it should have been. God says, I want you to come when you're needy. Do you know that when you come to God when you're needy, what's the value of that, Pastor? The value is you trusted him. And that's one of the greatest things you'll ever give anyone. When we talk about giving something of value, trust is the greatest commodity in any relationship. Trust. Trust is the greatest commodity. You know, uh, you, you, you know you, people meet each other on the first date and said they fell in love. Mm, nah. You can't. Listen, can I tell you something? There's no real love. Listen to me without trust and respect. I, didn't, I met you five minutes ago. I can't trust you. I don't trust you. You don't trust me. Don't act like that. Don't look funny at me like that. You, know, you, you pull somebody's picture up on the internet. <sighs> I'm in love. Did you read that bio on him? And you saw, oh, my God, I'm in love. And you, and you Facebook your friends. And, so I found him. I found her. I'm in love. I'm in love. You're not in love. You may be in lust, but you're not in love. And I'm sorry. It may not even got that far. You just, you're in love with the idea of love. But you don't love somebody you don't trust or respect. Love doesn't happen just like that. It's trust and respect. Because, see, when you love somebody and you get married, there are going to be some days that it, it, there's nothing else there but trust and respect. Because you had some disagreements and things didn't go well. And, you know, you went that way with the budget and they went that way with the budget. And, 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 and you, you, you understand. So what happens? When you come to God in need, see, you come. These things don't add up to us. Look, in need, but how do you come? With confidence and without fear. Is that an amazing thing? You mean you, mean you so trust God that in your worst, you confidently come? Say, God. I need some help. God, I'm not making it today. God, I blew it. God, I'm being tempted. God, I'm not stacking up. God, I need mercy. Look at this. For our failures. Do you know that you can come to the throne of grace when you failed? When you blew it? When you didn't get it right? When you messed up? When it didn't go well? When you don't want anyone else to know why you're coming that day. He says, this is amazing. You can still come with confidence and without fear to find mercy for your failure and help in your time of need because Jesus paid the price for you to come, not on your best day, but on your worst day, to come in the presence of God, and God will bring you in and begin to work in our life. We have this idea 
that, that you know, and, and you see it. Religion teaches it. You know, and, and, and I don't need to name names. It doesn't matter. But, you know, if you're going to be forgiven, you've got to pray this many prayers. Or you've got to crawl on your knees on glass. Or you've got to go pay for it and earn it. Anybody with me on this? And so we get these ideas that, that if God's going to forgive me, I've got to pay something. I've got I've to convince him. I've got to punish myself. What you're saying is that what Jesus did on the cross was not enough, that I've got to add something to it. I simply believe what he did on the cross is great enough, big enough, finished enough for everything I've ever done or blown. He's big enough to take care of that if I will trust him enough to come to him when I'm least qualified to be there. It's an amazing concept, isn't it? What does God want from me? He just wants me to come. What does God want me to say to him? I trust you. What does he want me to do to walk up with confidence? You know, this word confidence here in one translation, let me read it uh, from the New International. It says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. One translation says, boldness. Come with confidence, with boldness. You know, part of that word translated literally means with frankness of speech, with bold utterance. I love this with God. You don't have to play the game. You just come and tell the truth. And you just come say it the way it is. And just say, God, I'm a wreck today. God, I blew it. You don't come and say, Lord, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I've been really good for a long time. And somehow something happened. And I, I don't know. I just, uh, it wasn't my fault. And so I kind of just didn't plan on doing this. And I just slipped up. And well, and, and you know, I, I, I think if you can kind of look over this one, then I promise you from now on, I'm not going to do it. Stop that. That's not frankness of speech. It's God, I blew that 1,500 ways. And I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? No, I'm not preaching a license to sin because I've spent time on verse 14 that says he was tempted like we were and didn't sin so he can help us to stop doing that. But you're never going to break the power of your sin and your failure and your habits and the temptation until you just come to him and say, God, here I am. Here's what I'm dealing with. Would you help me? And he's right there to help you every single time. He's waiting for you to come. How many are thankful for that today? That he's that kind of God, that he is faithful in all of his ways. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, 7. It, it, it says this in a similar fashion. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. Look at this. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. Why? For he what? Cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Cast all your cares on him. This word care is an interesting word. It means to be pulled in opposite directions. You know what that is called? <clears throat> That's called temptation. That's called, Lord, this is what I want to do. And this is this thing pulling me the other way. Anybody with me right now? Lord, this is the direction I want to go. But something, I'm being pulled. I'm being pulled. It means there's, you have an allegiance one place, but something's pulling on you. Listen to me. If you keep letting those things pull on you, they're going to get you. But if you take the things that are pulling you away from God and you trust him enough to be honest and give them to him, then what happens? He'll pull that care off of you and free you from that situation. 
Think about what's going on in your life. You know what causes us anxiety and pressure? Stress. Stress is another word for pull, for strength, like a rubber band. What makes a rubber band stressed? What makes a rubber band pull? Pressure, being pulled like this. Have you ever heard somebody say, I feel like I'm about to break. I feel like I'm about to snap. I've got pressure on me. Why? Because you're being pulled in opposite directions. Jesus said, I felt the pull. But I've got an answer for that. I felt that pull on me. This is what I want to do. I want to do the right thing. I want to go in this direction. But there's something pulling me. It's distracting me. It's pulling on me. Jesus said, you can't solve that by yourself. But if you will take the things pulling on you, anybody with me, and give those to him, he said, I got this thing. I'll take care of this thing. How long do we go acting like we can handle it? How often do we fear him when we should run to him? How often do we try to make an excuse when we just need to be clear in our speech and say, God, I own it. That's on me. We don't live in that culture anymore, do we? It's always somebody else's fault, right? Don't ever take responsibility. Always blame somebody else. Well, you know, my parents would have bought me that car one day when I was 16, then I'd feel more confident about myself. See, the reason that I'm dealing with insecurity is because my parents didn't give me everything I wanted. If they'd given me everything I wanted, then I would have felt secure. See, I would have felt love. And because I didn't feel love because my parents wouldn't give me everything I wanted, now I'm out here trying to just get people to love me. Baloney. Baloney. Get, pay, pay $100 for that word for, for counseling. Baloney. That's my word for that. All right. You know what? They loved you too much to give you everything you wanted. You mean they? You mean you had to work for something? Oh my word! You mean you learned the value of a dollar? You mean you mean you you learned that if I work, I get a reward? You mean they made you find out that life isn't everybody's going to give me something? But what happens? We love to blame somebody for what happens to us. But the the the, the point I'm trying to get you to see is that when we trust Him, we come to Him with confidence and say, "Lord, I, I I'm not the answer, but You are. I got this thing pulling on me." Something's stretching me. Something has to give. So I'm going to cast on you. I'm going to bring the things pulling on me and lay them at your feet right now. Because I know you're able. I know that you love me. I know that you're willing to turn these things around and, and, and make them happen in my life. Once you go to back, let's go back to, uh, to say Hebrews 4 there for a minute. I want to go back to those verses. Hebrews 4. And let's look at verses 15 and 16 again. So we see this this process, this, this incredible blessing that God is to our life. We have a high priest. This says we do not have, so we can say we have a high priest who's able to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations. For one who's been tempted and what exactly how it feels to be human in every respect, yet without committing any sin. That's the God who's looking out for you. That's the one who says, I'm going to be here and watch over you and help you walk through this issue. That's the one who says, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. Uh, and, and, and I want you to see this. Watch this. One who's been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels, in every respect as we have, yet without committing any sin. One of the things that I want to encourage you with today, do you know it's not a sin to be tempted? Do you know that? It's not a sin to be tempted. The Bible said he was tempted, but he didn't sin. Is there a difference in being tempted? And sinning? Well, temptation is the pull. Sin is the giving in to the pull. Do you know you can be tempted to not sin? How many are thankful for that? Do you know if you're smart, you get away from the temptation? 
to be tempted. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I want you to see this. This is going to encourage you today. I'm trying to encourage you with this. Look at this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Okay, so he, Jesus gets it. We get it. Watch this. And God is faithful. Who's faithful here? All right. He will not, what? Let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. How many are thankful? He's going to filter that and provide a way out. So the word tempted here, another word, listen to this. It means to be tested, to be proven. It means that... uh, our character is discovered. It means that, that uh, we find out what we're all about. And he says, when you walk through this life, there are going to be moments where you're going to be proven for who you are, where who I really am is going to come to the surface. Now, it's like with any test or temptation, God says, I'm, I'm not going to let something come on you that's beyond your ability to handle. So how many ever face a rough time? Anybody ever face a rough time? Well, here's what I've got to understand. Okay, let me, let me back up. God's not going to put you in a place that you can't handle. By disobedience and rebellion, can I put myself in a place that's different? <laughs> yeah, okay. So you understand that. So don't blame God for your choices. In other words, if, if, if I'm serving God, walking with God, doing what I want to do, I, I look at this last week in our life, when this, this out of the blue thing with Phoenix Eye. We're serving the Lord, we're moving, we're praying, we're going along, and things are going good, and boom, you get this report. It's just overwhelming. So, so you say, okay, the Word says what? No test. Now, let me be clear, because I've been waiting to get to this. Listen very clearly. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. That's James chapter 1. The Bible says in that same thing that God does not use evil or test or tempt with evil. That's not how God operates. So tough things happen in this life. Why? Because we're not in heaven yet. Because this isn't perfect yet. Because the devil's not bound yet. Because this is a fallen world and there's sin in this world and disease and sickness and things happen. I do not believe the Bible teaches that God does bad things to prove who you are. Everybody with me on that? That's not biblical. God doesn't send it how I respond to it determines what God's going to do in the middle of it. Does that make sense? So we're going along here, and boom, this thing happens. So I have a choice. I can say, well, God, where are you? God, you forgot about us. God, what's going on? I can get mad and say, why did you do this? I can make cho- or I can say, all right, I hate this. I don't like this, but what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to say, you're faithful. I'm going to start there. See where you start? I'm going to start there. Man, this is rough. But God, you're faithful. Because that's who he is, and he doesn't change, right? Do circumstances change? Yes. Does God change? No. All right, God, you're faithful. And you said you're not going to let us face anything that will test, prove, show who we are that's beyond the ability you've given us. All right? Therefore... You're going to make a way out for us. We're going to walk through this. On the other end of this thing, everything you said, you did, you're going to do. And right now, we got a rough spot in this thing, but I believe you're faithful. I'm going to start with the fact you're faithful. I'm going to remember the fact that you've been tempted in every way like I am, but so you know why my emotions are reacting the way they're reacting in the middle of this thing right now. 
See, so I know that I don't have to lie and tell you. See, I don't have to come to him when I have a hard time and say, Lord, come on, don't be fake. Lord, I'm just so thankful for this problem. Oh, really? You don't believe that? He doesn't believe that. Come on, everybody with me. I'm just trying to take you to do some things. I don't, I don't go to the altar when something bad happens and say, oh, Lord, I just wanted to come today and say thank you for this. I'm so thankful I fell and broke my right leg. It's been so good. Let's break the left one today, too. Woo, Jesus. That's weird. That's not spiritual. Can we just get real? You understand? Because he understands. His father died. His earthly father, his stepfather, Joseph, died while he was on this planet. He had to go walk through that. He knows that feeling. You understand? His family rejected him, didn't understand him. The religious leaders that were supposed to protect him rejected him and crucified him. Almost every figure in his life that was to be a stable authority figure rejected him. His own friends deserted him the night he was betrayed and and arrested. And so Jesus was in the garden praying. What did he pray in the garden facing the cross? Come on, be real. Think. I'm trying to help you walk through this problem and know God is going to take you through this. What did he pray in the garden? I can't wait for the cross. Ooh, thank you for the spikes. That's going to be so good. And that beating, oh, it's better than a spa. I thank you, God. Is that what he did? No, that's what he did. What did he say? Father, is there any other way to get there? Is there any other way to do this? Is that real? That's real. Is there any other way to do this? He said, but I'm going to trust your way. Because you're not going to let me be tempted above what we can bear. And you are faithful. And you're going to make a way for me to endure it. And Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him. What did he do? He looked beyond the moment and said, because you're faithful. And because you have a plan. And because you love me. I'm going to trust you to get to the other side of this. And this hurts, but I see joy over there. I see billions of people being saved. I see lives being changed. You understand? For the joy set before him. He endured the cross. What are his motions and despise the shame see he knows what that's like and so when you're walking through a hard time he gets your emotion he knows what's going on on the inside he knows the turmoil we don't have to be fake and counterfeit and go through those things no the real thing is this is here no I don't have to blab out everything going on inside of there everybody just got me because a lot of times we say things and two days later we say man I wish I hadn't said that But you did it. You said it. So hold on. Hold your confession. Believe in faith in God. He understands this war going on inside of you. You remember that he's faithful. And what does he say? I'm going to bring you through this thing. You can cast this care on me. This thing that's trying to pull you. This stretching thing that's stretching you apart. Cast that care on me. I'm going to bring you through on the other side of this. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. Let's go back to verse 15. Of Hebrews 4. And, and, and this is what's amazing to me. That this, let, let's, let's look at this. Or verse 16, I'm sorry. Go to verse 16. Because when I first read this and I saw this in, in, the, uh, in, in the Amplified Version, I went back and got my own Greek books and studied. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. This, this, this isn't adding up. Because let me read it to you from, it, it just, from the NIV. And the King James says the same thing. Verse 16 says this. Let, let, let me get here. And read this to you. And I want to encourage you with something God's going to do today in your life. Verse 16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help us in our time of need, weakness, trouble. It's hurting. I need you, God. But then look what they added to this. And I had to go back and find, well, what's being said? What is this word? An appropriate blessing. Wait, wait, wait. Help me in my time of need. What's the appropriate blessing here? No, I, I, I'm not being blessed. I'm needy. It's not a blessing. It's a need. Okay? But this is an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. I've never had a problem that felt like it was the right moment to me. Are you with me? So what, what is this? I had to go back and look. It's literally a derivative of the word kairos, which means an appointed time from God. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling, that, you mean the need was appointed by God? No, his response to your need has already had an appointment in heaven. You know, wait, did you, let me have to help you understand this. When a need comes up in my life, God already has a blessing ready at that appropriate moment to get you through the biggest need of your life. You understand? Before the need came, he already had the answer to the need waiting on you. And if I keep the need in my life and never come to the altar and never trust him with the problem and try to act spiritual like I got this or I don't need it or I fall off the, you know, fall off the, the roof here and, and I don't go to God, I never realize that he already has a blessing in store for me to meet the need at the very moment I come to him, I will discover right then God already has had what I need to get me through that moment. What I'm wanting you to see today is when you're feeling the worst, come to God. When you don't think you're worthy, come to God. When you blew it 13 ways, come to God. When you had the worst week of your life, come to God. When you're embarrassed and ashamed, come to God. When you don't think God loves you anymore, come to Him. When you think you're the farthest away, come to Him. For you will find mercy and grace in your time of need. And at your point of need, God already has a blessing waiting for you and he will forgive you and free you and set you free and take your care. That's the God we serve. Let's stand together today. I want you to stand with me. Come on, let's stand. Aren't you thankful? Come on, let's just thank God that he's that kind of God. What a faithful God. How many believe God's faithful? How many are thankful even though your brain's going crazy and your emotions are all over the place, he loves you anyway? How many are thankful you can have faith even when fear is rolling around in your life? How many are thankful God can get you to the right place even when your knees are shaking? Because he has on deposit what you need for the lowest moment of your life. He's a faithful God. What's the valuable thing I put on the altar when I'm in need? Trust. I trust you with my weakness. I trust you with the worst part of me. I trust you to speak openly and honestly. Does that make sense? I don't have to do all that double talk. I just trust you. God, somebody here needed to know that today. God redid my whole deal for you today. You needed to hear that today. That he just loves you. That it's not too late. That the mess you're in doesn't have to be terminal or fatal or final. What do I do, Pastor? Just come. Just come.